You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. I am Matthew Baker, and I do a comedy stunt show all over the world and, and at the Moisture Festival for the last 15 years. Yeah, and I'm Louis Fox. I do a comedy magic show in uh, pretty much North America, not over the world, but i uh, that's my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were listening to this podcast, welcome. It's This is a podcast that features the entertainers, the producers, all the people that make this awesome variety arts festival possible. And this episode, we have a triple threat with the moisture festival he's a attendee he's a volunteer and a performer we have the fantastic steve hamilton known as steve the pretty good we learn about his career as a performer how it began actually as a firefighter and paramedic yep and all the things that can go wrong (laughs) when you're performing magic with your wife (laughs) and then we also learn about letting a rabbit make its own choices yes it's a great interview great insights on how to build a character and ideas on how to become a professional performer let's get to it louis let's do it location in Sumner, Washington at our interviewee's office. This is super cool. We have a entertainer who's been doing shows for over 25 years. He's from here in Seattle. He's toured all over North America doing shows, all over Canada doing shows. He's done Shanghai, China at the International Clown Festival. He's a world-renowned magician and funny man. We have Steve Hamilton, Steve the Pretty yeah, Good on the Moisture man. Festival podcast. We also left off. He has 28 saves as a paramedic. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, 28 you know. out of 50. That's not well, bad, right? Not 50. <laughs> Maybe more like 500. <laughs> well, welcome, man. This is a long time in the making. Yes, and I'm uh, so happy to be here. We were, we so were joking Part earlier. of the deal to interview him is Matt is staying in your, your extra right. room. I yeah. In order, yeah. In order to get this free publicity, I got to provide housing. (laughs) Well, we were joking earlier that this is the first interview that I haven't really written any notes for or done any research for. And because I've heard all the stories. Because we sat on the couch and talked for four hours already. <laughs> so uh, you are, uh, we're going to talk all about your career um, and then what brought you to the Moisture Festival and wh- how you've been involved in the Moisture Festival from a performer to a volunteer to a light guy. Um, but we're just going to start. Uh, you were first a firefighter. This uh, You came to perform. How did, was, you, be- how was, did you become a magician? I was born a firefighter. <laughs> how did you become was, a magician? My mom hated the hat when I came out, but no. So um, I wanted to be a musician and um, I realized fairly quickly that I did not have the talent to make any sort of living doing that. And, uh, eh, you know, sort of became a firefighter. Just, it was a good gig and uh, got bored with that a little bit and then became a paramedic. And um, my uh, wife, who was a teacher at the time, uh, had to inspire kids to come to the library. So they um, had her uh, learn a magic trick 
and perform it for the kids. And uh, in that process, I had to learn a magic trick. <laughs> so you almost had like the same backdoor version though of how most people got into magic as they shot, saw a show when they were a kid. You helped your wife put on a show I had to, yeah, for I had children. To it. Yeah, learned a trick. It was fascinating. It was like music. It was left brain, right brain. There was a, a technical part and a sort of a performance part. And I put the, it was a rope trick and I put the ropes in my pocket. And when I was a, a medic and I was a new medic and I was at a bunch of different stations, I'd um, at dinner time, we'd all have dinner together in the, in the beanery, as they called it, break the ice. I'd take out the ropes and I'd go, Hey, watch this. And I would do a little rope trick and they go, wow, show us something else. And I, I don't know. What else. <laughs> so hang on. Why do they call it the beanery? Well, it's because you usually have a pot of beans on the stove or, you know, you'd run on, run out. And, yeah. Coffee beans, refried beans. <laughs> That's it. That's it was, the last thing I want is a firefighter with gas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can put out this fire. All right, boys, drop them. <laughs> what was the connection between magic and going to the library? They were so there were a number of different teachers, you know, uh, that were presenting a different um, like some of it was art. Some of it was history trying to um, uh, encourage kids to explore different ideas, music. There were, mm. you know, people, they were like, here, you can learn to play the flute or the guitar or whatever. And here, this is, um, you know, uh, learn how to make paper airplanes. So there was, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, 10 or 12 teachers that would pick different aspects of. So really library. you have your wife to thank yeah. for your magic career. She, she showed up late to signing up for, for topics. <laughs> she has every right to give you a hard time. She says I married a fireman and ended up with a clown. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and so, uh, so you, you saw that you were getting a response to the, to the magic. And was that sort of fulfilling like a need for attention or was that like, you just like the tactileness of doing it or? Well, I mean, if we go way back, would as a kid just gravitate towards, um, uh, I think variety arts. I always loved, you know, the Ed Sullivan, you know, it was fascinating to me. And then when I, um, maybe junior high or high school, we would go to uh, street festivals, UW street festival, Fremont, and I would see performers that were, amazing i mean just unbelievable and if and if um i had any sense of you know how my life should have been i would have latched onto those guys i wouldn't have had to get married i wouldn't have to learn a magic trick through, <laughs> a, through a, some school in auburn i would have but uh, yeah i mean it, would, uh, it was always fascinating to me uh you know kid around with friends you know do wacky stuff uh, I think that opportunity to perform was the sort of the door that opened. It was like, hey, mm. look, I don't have to have talent. I could be a magician. How did you transition from just doing regular magic tricks for people around to actually developing an act? So the appeal of magic, like I said, is both left brain and right brain. There is a technical aspect of how a magic trick works. Um, what they call sleight of hand, cards, coins, that sort of thing. And I think almost all magicians start with a card trick or you know maybe a rope trick, mm -hmm. I don't know. But that part of it is satisfies the technical part of it. But that performance, going for the laugh, having people uh, stay and watch 
and that's when I, I started to go down to the Pike Place Market and bother people there. Hey, just pick a card. Hey, 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 where are you going? Hey, hey, just pick a card. Yeah. And <laughs> put that fish down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, don't throw that fish. Wait, that's not. And uh, learn the hard way um, on what people wanted to see. Was what? that your first reference point for like, this is how I start to put a show together yes. is go down on the street and, and just sort of hash it out in front of passerbys. Trial and error. Yeah. Trial and error. And I think part of it was the mystique. I mean, in, in you know, in my past, I, I admired those uh, uh, street performers. Reverend Chumley, one of them was just, you know, unbelievable. And I thought, well, that's, I guess that's how you do it. That's mm -hmm. how you learn. And, um, and well, did. In, here in Seattle, like Pike Place Market, although it is like um, it does allow street performers and there are spots for street performers, it's not really conducive to like gathering a large crowd Correct. and doing a show that is 20 well, to 30 minutes. Luckily, my show did not allow me to draw a large crowd. I could luckily, do my three I, minutes I, 100 times in for one hour. person. <laughs> I prefer I prefer to entertain people one at a time <laughs> as I chase them down the street. So what was your first like paid gig? Going and learning um, what what worked, what didn't work, why why did people stop and watch, whatever it is, was very informative um, in just entertaining people. And when I was at work at the fire station, I would, I would bring material. I would work on material. I would, you know, practice card tricks. And then, you know, somebody inevitably always says, Hey, I, my six-year-old is uh, going to have a birthday party next month. You want to come and do a birthday party? And mistakenly I said, yes. <laughs> uh, and um, so thinking about okay what's a what's a kid what's a kid's birthday party uh entail i mean you know i i my previous uh experience with magic was nothing i didn't i you know i i i didn't go to birthday parties with magicians nothing like that so um that was a it was another sort of uh rough go <laughs> i believe that my first birthday party i made uh three trips with my car bringing as many props as i could for, <laughs> is he moving and, in <laughs> plus it was uh that first gig was in a single wide mobile home with 15 kids and the giant screen television so um i believe my uh my start uh in magic after street performing was hallway magic <laughs> <laughs> but so, so you started the birthday party. Yeah. Now, if I recall, you have a story about the last birthday party you ever did for kids. Oh, I think any performer at, at, at the beginning of their career, you have, you know, you, ha you have to pay your dues and uh, you become the birthday magician guy. It's once somebody finds out, hey, hey, we'll, we'll have him come over and do this birthday party. You know, there were good ones and bad ones, and but they all had the same sort of theme. You know, you're more of a lion tamer than really an entertainer. <laughs> and uh, the last birthday party was kind of a, you know, well off, a wealthy person's house. And when I got there, there was, I don't know, a dozen kids literally jumping from the couch to the chair, to whatever. And the birthday boy was being pummeled by his older sister <laughs> and, you gotta get your birthday and licks in <laughs> and all the parents were in the kitchen 
And when I got there and I started to open up my kit, then they just, hey, what's this? Hey, how's this work? I'm like, hey, 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 hey. And I uh, yelled to the parents, hey, could you guys come and, I don't know, sedate some of these kids? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they gave, they turned their head, hey, you can't settle down, you know, kind of thing. And, I mean, they wouldn't stop. They were like, and I went, well, forget this. And I just packed everything up. <laughs> and I got... I waved my hand into the door. Okay, thanks a lot. I'm seeing you later. That's the show. No, is the show all over? <laughs> it is for me. They, they hand you the check. <laughs> and, I, and I walked out and I'm like, all right, I'm never going to do that again. Gosh. Well, that's nice. I mean, and so I think you did it kind of in a, a smart way. You didn't just go in baptism by fire. You like held on to being a paramedic for a little bit while you're still developing your show and getting your sort of when feet I was wet. a paramedic up until the very end, I thought I was just going to be a paramedic. I mean, I like doing the shows. Um, I like, I like the street performing when I, yeah. I met, uh, uh, Matt and, um, Alex street performing. I met other street performers. And I, I love that community. I love that, that sense. And in fact, I think you guys got me my first sort of indoor gig, uh, some, um, I, I was like somewhere in Oregon or something like that. It was almost like a house party. It was a, a million years ago. <laughs> were we you there? Know, you were there. You and Alex performed and you're like, hey, come along and do some of your whatever. Do some of your wacky skits. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we brought you for the paramedic. We, 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 we expected right. some crazy stuff to happen. <laughs> we're we're going to work the stage. We hear you're good in the hallway. What was that so, gig? I don't remember that. What was uh, that? It was... Uh, it was, uh, it was a, um, I, 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 I don't think it was a holiday party. It was a weird sort of like, um, a bunch of people showed up and it was sort of a, a little hall, a little, uh, once again, venue. going back to your hallway, <laughs> that's it. I can do a hallway <laughs> show, you know, once, once it's, you know, well, it, was like a the it was like oh, a like small a, theater, oh, like, it was like, like a, a banquet hall. It was a small theater. I remember that in Gresham. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And um, I think, I don't know yet, you, you know, hey, could you do 10 minutes? I'm like, uh, if I can do a couple of things over again, I could. <laughs> <laughs> can I do my three minutes, three, yeah. three and a third time? Did you have half or a third of the people sort of turn away and look? Uh, I remember if, you did great. That was, I mean, but that's the thing is we met, you and I met um, at here in Seattle. There was a, sort of a uh, Grange vaudeville hall called Hokum Hall at the time. Yeah. And we had met. I believe there we have different we have different uh, opinions on where we met. I think we met at uh, at uh, the Folklife Festival, uh, uh, doing street shows, doing street shows. Gotcha. And I, it was you guys were, you know, doing. I mean, night big big shows, and I was standing on my corner. Hey, just pick a card. Could you just <laughs> hey, excuse me, sir? Could you just pick a card? And uh, I mean, I, I we talked, but I you know I, you guys were you know. You saw yeah, Steve's pick card. Like, that boy's got potential. He's got good. That guy can work a bunch of hallways. I know it. <laughs> I'm going to get that guy for my kid's birthday party in 20 years when I have a kid. I'm going to get, we're going to save up and buy a hallway. And that guy is going to kill. <laughs> He's going to crush it. <laughs> so when you, so you had this moment where you, you were, you're doing shows, you're, you're a paramedic and you're still doing shows and you're going all over the place. You're doing fairs in the summer, right? Yeah. And, but you did have this moment where you said, I'm done with being a paramedic. I'm going to be a full-time well, magician and performer. No, that, that, that would, uh, that would require sort of fourth 
forethought and planning <laughs> and my life has never been anything like that. Here's what happened. I was um, doing uh, I was doing a fair in the summertime uh, and a, another performer, Greg Frisbee, uh, who I'd never met, we worked the same stage. And um, uh, I watched his show, he watched my show. And uh, after uh, the fair that evening, we went and had the dinner together. And um, he's like, man, that, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a fun show. And I, at the time, I was also doing uh, an act, a strolling act beside the stage show where I looked like I was on a flying carpet and then doing close-up magic. Um, again, works in a hallway. <laughs> uh, and Greg says, hey, in October, there's a festival in Shanghai. You should go to China. And I said, Sure, I should go to China. <laughs> and he said, uh, send your stuff to this guy. And um, uh, uh, he's in charge of that. And, uh, I'm, and, and I'll, I'll recommend you. I said, sure, okay. Well, you know, and I brushed it off. And I go back to the fair the next morning. And I see Greg. And he goes, you're in. I talked to the guy. <laughs> wow. October 1st through the 30th in Shanghai. And I, I said, uh, okay. And, um, I thought, well, why the heck not? And I, I went back to, um, work and I went to, uh, the medic one supervisor and I said, Hey, I just need 30 days off. So <laughs> I should go do this other thing. And the guy says, no. And I'm like, well, all right, tell you what I could see the, the way my life was going and my focus was not on saving people anymore. <laughs> your, your saves and tapered off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, where uh, the sign on the side of the medic unit, so many days since we've saved somebody, it's really getting long. <laughs> they're, they're, opening a they're opening a separate ticker for Steve. <laughs> medic one, zero days, Steve, 100. <laughs> they've called me in a couple of times where the manager says, you know, we... <clears throat> You know we're struggling. We might have to send you back down into the miners. Uh, you can do first aid at the little. That's right. We're, we're thinking um, band aids and work your way up again. So um, I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. It takes uh, a year to get somebody through the medical program." And I said, "If you let me take these thirty days, I, I will stay for a year. I'll refocus, and um, at the end, end of that, then I'll be done." And I said, "No." And I said, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to pay a bunch of overtime. I think this is a good deal. I said, no. I said, okay, I'm done. Oh. And then he said, well, we need 90 days notice. And I said, or what happens? <laughs> and he didn't really have an answer. So he goes, uh, so I took out a piece of paper and I said, as of this day, and I resigned as a paramedic, bye, bye, bye. Here's my paperwork. And I was gone. And on, I, three days later, got on a plane to Shanghai. And uh, it was life changing. I mean, I shared there were four stages in this like a central park, and there was oh, unbelievable. There were balloon people that made whole costumes, whole stage sets out of balloons. There were there were um, uh, uh, acrobats. There was clowns. There were. Um, just unbelievably crazy talented people 
And these were my people. I immediately knew this was the right thing to do and uh, shared a stage with very talented, fun people. And um, then when I got uh, home, I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> and uh, started, you know, I went I'd been going to conventions to work at fairs and that kind of stuff. And um, um, how you did know, your wife respond to you when you said, Hey, I uh, I just quit being a paramedic and I'm going to Shanghai for a month and I'm going to do this magic full time now. You can't believe how supportive. <laughs> Here's my this look. My wife is uh, she has been in the show. She's very supportive, but I have to say she does not take change very easily. Um, she thought that I was going to mooch off of her. I was like, all right, I don't got to work anymore. All right, honey, bring me a beer. She was, she did not have the same vision. And it's worked uh, out well for me and Matt that plan. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, it's funny that, uh, I mean, but my whole life has been non entertainers. Nobody in my family does anything anything nobody um at the time no you know i'd played in some bands and stuff but nobody sort of lived the lifestyle and um you know i'm sure that arlene was just dreading a conversation with her parents <laughs> it's like wait he, he's gonna do what <laughs> but um like i said no she uh she she would she eventually she was in the show she, yeah she, uh, yeah, she did, uh, you know, working with you over the years at different fairs and festivals. You guys do like a large illusion act where she would do some of the illusions and mm -hmm. do some choreography. So, and so here I, I come home from China and the whole time in China, I'm thinking, all right, this, you know, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was a, a two person um, act. When you work as a single, the audience has to be your partner. Yeah. Uh, so you engage with the audience, um, in a way that you would with a partner on stage. And, um, I thought that if I had an actual partner, uh, on stage, I would be able to create, uh, a show that was sort of formulating in my head that, that told, you know, sort of little stories, had characters that developed, um, uh, uh, status increase, decrease that, you know, that uh, a real performance. So when I got home, uh, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I want to do a two person show, a big stage show and everything. She said, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, did she have any performing background at all? She was a teacher. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a kind a of show. Episode, yeah. She would say, uh, I do uh, six hours a day stand up and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, uh, and it is, I think, uh, I, there's got to be, I, I think Robert Klein, uh, comedian, I think he was a, he was a, an educator, a teacher mm, somewhere. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that she had the potential. She just didn't have the desire <laughs> when I told her I was going to do it. And she said, knock yourself out. And I started to put the show together and there was a, uh, uh, a routine that I, I wanted and I wanted matching costumes. And it came to a point where I said, Hey, I got to go find a costume that will match my costume. And we went out and I found this little red sparkly dress. And I said, Oh, that's it. That's perfect. That's, you know, this is going to be, there, there was going to be a costume change and they're going to end up in this costume. I said, perfect. That's going to be perfect. 
And she said, no, no, no. I said, no, let's look at matches. She goes, no, you're not going to do a show with somebody who can wear a dress like that. I'll do the damn show. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> so that's how she got into show business. <laughs> uh, you were telling me a story last night about when she, you know, because she performed with you, but she was not a performer, right? It was sort of like you come up with the concept and sort of instruct her on what to do. And so sometimes when things would happen in the show that were sort of out, side of the uh planned uh end result it would be it would be difficult and so the, the what was the story last night that you were telling me well so um i i, I got some props she was going to be in the show and i got some props and i got a um uh, a prop uh called a mini cube zag which it's the somebody goes in the box you slide the bottom part of the box over and it's essentially it, you cut a girl in half and then put like two garbage cans through her. There's no way somebody could be inside that yeah. box and you see the hand and everything. And, um, she got in the box and we, uh, had a little recorder, a little, uh, video recorder. And she got in and, and sort of grumbling when she got out, got out. But then she watches the video and she goes, Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so it sort of springboarded a little bit to like, Hey, well, let's, so let's do this. So, um, we had, I think maybe four or five fairs booked and, uh, we'd sort of practiced a little bit and our very first show together, uh, was at a, a small fair in Oregon again, um, uh, up in Myrtlewood. Um, very small. In fact, the stage was a 10 foot square tent, uh, like an easy up where the sound engineers had lined the stage with all their cables and equipment. Mm -hmm. So in order to get on the stage, you had to step over boxes of the lights and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, uh, could we move? No, we're not moving anything. So the light that lit the stage was an actual street light that had the uh wires hanging out the back that they had strung up at the top of the uh of the tent <laughs> so when uh one of our big, sort of our big finale was uh what they call a sub trunk uh, again it's mm -hmm. a technical term but it's the uh guy gets in the box the lady stands on the box and they, they switch places lift up a curtain and then instantly they switch places so as uh we go to do this. Uh, I go to stand up on the box and I hit my head on the light. <laughs> and as Arlene is coming out of the box behind this little drape that we've ha held up, I knock her and myself off the box and we are just tangled <laughs> in the curtain. <laughs> and Arlene extricates herself from the curtain throws it down and says, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to be part of this. And then storms off stage. <laughs> and the audience is like, best <laughs> show ever. Best so, show ever. They, they, they show up the next show and they're like, you didn't do the bit where she quits. <laughs> so the, the next fair, I, it takes me, I don't know, a day to talk her into not just hitchhiking back home. So we go to another fair and uh, there was uh, uh, a kid, hanging out was a relative of one of the stage uh, um, uh, sound people and who had broken that same prop. Wait, 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 had broken that your prop? Yeah. We didn't know the handle that opens the door was now broken. Gotcha. Oh. So 
I get into the box and then uh, uh, we close or we just, it goes the other way. So I start on the top, put Arlene in it and we do the switch. And then Arlene has to open up the door. The secret door. No, the front the oh, front oh, door oh, to at let the you end, out. To, to let them, them out. To make them, <laughs> and it won't work. And Arlene is, she's yelling. The music is playing. She's like, the door won't open. The door won't open. And I'm trying to give her instructions. And the audiences start, Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> and Arlene, show's over. Steve's not coming. Show's over. There was no curtain to drop down. She was just yelling. She was just yelling at the, uh, so yeah. And did, you, how, how did, did you finally get out? Clearly uh, yeah. got out. Well, I mean, I mean, like in front of the audience or was it, she yeah. wheel you off? Or? Yeah, she sort of pushed me off the stage and people are like, Steve, she's like, she's yelling at them. Go away. This uh, show's over. This is. Uh, She's like, the bell rang at second period now, kids. <laughs> That's right. And eventually, uh, you know, like people sort of drifted away and I got, I, you know, I got out and then we, I'm like, oh my God, this is broken. And then, you know, whatever the, the kids like, you know, sort of like, oh, uh, I mean, he was always, you know, asking. What yeah. So we put two and two together, but she would stand, um, we would do fairs. And as you, you guys know, the fairs can be a little rough. You you don't select your audience. You sort of take all comers. And uh, uh, Arlene would, we would, we would perform a, a routine and, you know, she would throw her hands up like uh, ta-da kind of thing. And then she would say to the audience, you should people, you people should be clapping. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> and she would always say to me, I don't need this. I have a master's degree. I don't need the approval of total strangers. She's, I think she said that last night too about something. She's like, I got a master's degree. I don't I need to be. She's like, I don't, I don't have this. to have Matt sleep in our extra room. I've got a master's degree. <laughs> she throws that in my face every single time. Me take out the garbage. I have a master's degree. See, I lucked out in that with my wife in that I paid off her student loans uh, so she can throw the degree and then yeah. I, like, I pay for that yeah. with that's, magic. Technically, that's my master's degree. <laughs> I own half of that. That's right. After the fact. Well, yeah. you you are very, you know, you're not just a traditional magician. You know, it's not it's not like just a guy going up there doing some magic tricks. You have a, a well-formed character that's steve the pretty good which is a talented magician it's like a take you're a character of a magician caricature caricature of caricature caricature <laughs> caricature i'm a carrot sure. <laughs> no but you you're you're sort of you explain how you came to be steve the pretty good and what that meant and like how you developed the character and how that differentiates you from like a regular magician well first off I have low self-esteem because I don't have a master's degree. Uh, I think that uh, I do. I have, a, I think just generally, I think being Canadian, I apologize for everything that I've ever done. And uh, I don't really think that I have a whole lot of talent. Uh, but I also started late uh, as a magician. And I've always sort of have felt that I was a bit of an interloper. And so um, at the beginning, when I first started doing magic, Steve the Pretty Good was a goal. It was not. <laughs> I, I aspired to be a pretty good uh, magician. Um, but it also, uh, you know, like I think you, every performer is, a, is a, a version of who they are. And, you know, my act is a parody 
a bit of a parody of a traditional magician. And I've always tried to look at what a traditional magic trick would be and make it my own, have a, have my own sort of slant on that. And, um, uh, again, try and uh, have a bit of an arc to my show where, uh, at the beginning, I'm not sure this is really going to work, or I'm not sure you people are going to buy this uh, kind of thing, and then take the audience on a bit of a journey where at the end we're sort of like, hey, look at that. It all worked. Holy cow. <laughs> look at that. He is pretty good. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> and you are. At the beginning, oh, we were not so sure, but look at that. You you achieved pretty goodness. <laughs> it's like, huh, this ship is seaworthy. <laughs> Steve, the exceeding expectations. Yeah. Exceeding low expectations. <laughs> exceeding the low expectations. If I could have spelled that, it would have been on the business card. <laughs> so, which, I mean, obviously, Moisture Fest is the number one place you ever performed. What's the second best place Ooh. you ever performed? When I was in, uh, when I was in Shanghai, they, uh, they had uh two shows that um they selected for sort of the diplomats the people that that put the the um the show together and it was in the shanghai opera house Ooh, giant wow. opera house and um they're like hey you know you want to you want to do you know your part of your act there and um uh, holy cow i mean uh a the people that i were that i was performing with b the venue um that was uh a bit overwhelming but i have to say that one of my favorite experiences performing uh is doing a tour with uh, some friends of ours uh, trevor and lorena do mm -hmm. a, a tour in the winter time where there are uh, one-nighters across canada and you blow into town, you clear off the stage, you create your little show, you do your little show, you pack everything up and drive to the next town. And to me, oh, that is real show business. You know, it's it's got its ups and downs, but I, I have to say traveling with friends, performing with friends and getting an opportunity the next night to do a show for people that come to see the show that yeah in nice theaters too. yeah nice yeah. theaters now um so you you've come to the moisture festival you've performed there i believe in 2019 and but you've also volunteered there you've you've done like uh greeting there on the magic carpet before and you set uh, up chairs yeah like tell us how you got involved well, with the moisture festival so i, I wasn't um I've heard stories. The first one was in the tent. Yeah. And then the, uh, the venue, uh, was then offered to have it be uh, performed at the, uh, uh, Hales Palladium. So I, I wasn't there the first, uh, when it was at the tent, but I believe that the second, maybe the second year, the first year that it was at Hales Palladium or maybe the year after when I, uh, fell upon it, I, discovered either through i don't know the internet or somebody talking about it i went and saw I, I was you know a fan and i went and saw amazing performances i mean world class uh world class performers that were uh, uh unbelievable and uh the I think I signed up for a newsletter or something like that. And they said, Hey, you want to, if you want to help out, I'm like, 
giddy up. I mean, this moisture festival could be anywhere. It could be San Francisco, could be Portland, could be anywhere. We're lucky that it's in Seattle mm -hmm. uh, where you can go see, again, world-class performances for a month. I mean, it's crazy. So um, I signed up and showed up and I did. I set up chairs. I worked with uh, some, spe then specifically they would, they would say, Hey, could you uh, help do the rigging? Could you help, uh, you know, work backstage? And I'm, I was down for everything. I, I have, uh, we, I think I was part of the group that put in the first sound system. Oh, wow. When it, when it was there, it stayed there. The stage stayed, stayed there. So put up the sound system. And again, I got to see, uh, all my friends, you know, uh, Great Kaplan, Ovner, um, Stickleback Circus. I mean, just unbelievably terrific acts. And uh, then after get a chance to shoot the breeze and uh, through encouragement of my friends, <laughs> they would say, uh, you should apply. And I would say, oh, yeah, I'll send my stuff in. And uh, it was always the same conversation, you know, it'd be like, oh, yeah, I sent my stuff in, but that's okay. I'd rather see those acts than mine. <laughs> Uh, eventually, I think through Matt's arm twisting with uh, Tim, they, he said, uh, yeah, well, come in. And so I, I went and I did uh, uh, my whatever it was, six minutes or something like that. And it was, it was, I think it was the pinnacle. It was the, again, working with peers and knowing the history and performing for people that are leaning into the show that, that wait in line and um yeah that there is no uh better feeling than performing for people that really appreciate the variety theater well and i what i love about what you do is the genius of you is that like you will come up with a concept that meets, i don't have a master's degree <laughs> you, you come up with a concept that will specifically meet whatever is happening right and yeah. even for the moisture festival you came up with a concept that you could sort of utilize what a uh, routine that you already do but that made sense within the context of the moisture festival yeah. and a lot of people just come and like myself just come and do the show that i i do just at the moisture fest you know i'm doing that a condensed version at the moisture fest but you like come up with something that is applicable to that specific venue and you run with it well you know, when you lack the talent to do a real show, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta reach out. You got you gotta start. You gotta take what, risks. You gotta look around and see what else you can sort of pick up and apply. So, so how many lives have you saved at the Moisture Festival? Oh, not there, but I'll tell you this. No, but actually, when one we were there and someone collapsed and you Grace Harbor. No, no, at Moisture Festival, someone collapsed and you went over oh. and helped them oh. when we were there in oh, I think yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I've, I've worked fairs where uh, at least two times at, uh, at the Grace Harbor, so the first time uh, a lady, like, I don't know, 10 feet away from me collapsed. Uh, so I went over and, uh, you know, look, figured out that it was she was having a, a diabetic problem and uh, sort of directed the first aid people to, you know, get the uh, fire department over there and and when they got there, I'm like, hey, you haven't diabetes, you know, here we just need some sugar and whatever. And off off they went. And uh, I was off to the side. <laughs> the the local medics were like, this is the easiest gig ever. <laughs> this, <laughs> this rando guy, <laughs> this clown is doing all of our work for The <laughs> next day, the next day, right by the side of the stage, somebody else collapsed. And the sound guy ran and got me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, uh, you should call, you know, nine one one, and 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 then uh, yeah. So I mean, just coincidentally, uh, but. Uh, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm sure if it was a plumbing problem, if I was a plumber, they would have come. <laughs> hey, I, but I, what's, what's funny up. is I was at the fair the next year after Steve was there doing this and they're like, do you do any paramedic stuff? Or <laughs> do you like, like they kept saying, oh, that Steve guy, he did a great show. He saved people. He, I think brought, he, he brought in cinnamon rolls yeah, for everybody. I think you ran the train. Did you do something on the train? You're a train conductor. <laughs> You're right, you did. Whatever I got to do. Yeah, like, I was like, good Lord, dude. He was sweeping up the fairground. <laughs> well, that's what drives me crazy, you know, because Steve and I have toured b- b- a lot together yeah. doing shows, and he goes above and beyond. You know, before the show, he'll be out, like, sitting people down, you know, selling popcorn, <laughs> and I always yell at him. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Like, let That's them, not the show. Yeah, let them, <laughs> let them, the first time they see you when you walk on stage. So, like, hey, I started... After I was thirty, I have a lot of making up to do. I have a lot of I have a lot of bad, bad material. I got to get out of my system. Uh, so, well, yeah, what's your overall thoughts on just you know being part of the Moisture Festival and you know where where it's going and yeah, um, it's been a rough couple of years. I think that uh, well, I mean, the run of the Moisture Festival has just gotten better and better and better every year. Um, more and more people. I think I, I don't know. Uh, it sells out now mm-hmm. almost before it starts. The people that run it, the the quality and just the enthusiasm of that it will carry the event. I think through you know these hard times, and um, I think that uh, there is a whole group of performers that you know, are achieving amazing uh, things, doing great acts and stuff that will be a part of the uh, future. And I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. So really. um, And um, I think the cool thing too, at one point, the uh, moisture uh, festivals uh, used to have more sort of vaudeville and burlesque, and now they're different venues. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, one's sort of a little bit more family. The other one's has takes a little bit more risks, and both of them just amazing. Um, so yeah, as it develops, there's all sorts of opportunity for people in the Northwest to uh, see world class uh, acts and some stuff that I do. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Steve's sound system. You can yeah. see. I can set up chairs for you. I can You'll see, see you. Well, well, that's what I, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome that, you know, you, it's not just about performing. It's being part of the environment. It's and contributing the in the way that you can. And yeah, you I, know. I'm so thrilled that this is in our backyard. Yeah. And I think, we are so lucky to have something like this. So if people want to find you, they can find you at funnysteve.com, prettygoodmagic.com. There's a bunch of YouTube videos. You can find him in the July 1996 fireman calendar. <laughs> Mr. October. That's it. Uh, uh, yeah, I have uh, my top hat, uh, my magic top hat strategically placed. <laughs> <laughs> and with your bunny you and you what you used to travel with a bunny and it was one of the most amazing routines where you produce a bunny at the end of this routine and it's yeah, like i mostly well, wanted to direct the bunny but yeah producing was in there. <laughs> no um mr pellets oh mr pellets oh my god what a great guy what a uh, just <laughs> great guy. he, always he was the best man at my he wedding was. he would always buy coffee <laughs> he was he loved 
you know, uh, using, you know, an animal and whatever, you know, it says all sorts of implications. But um, Mr. Pellets loved, loved the attention of, of people when kids at the end of the show, when people, you know, kids would come up, can we pet the bunny rabbit? First they'd say, is that a real bunny rabbit? <laughs> it's a real magic bunny rabbit. <laughs> they would want to pet the, the bunny and just absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, it, um, yeah. Uh, well, and something that I always found, you know, I'm not a magician, but a lot of my good friends are magicians. And you, when you, you got to get more, friends. I know, yeah. I know it's yeah. tough, you know, but you produce the bunny out of a contraption. And I asked you like, how did the bunny, cause it's like, it sits in like a, a sort of like a bandana and it just rests there. And apparently before you created this, there were bunnies who were just dying well, in so the magic world before you created this. There's, there's a book, um, uh, uh, magic for kids. Uh, it was a lady that wrote it, uh, like Faye Presto or, uh, I, uh, I, I'll think of it hopefully in a second. Anyway, there's a book in there and it says, um, uh, if you produce a rabbit, uh, and it dies, don't pretend that it's alive cause it will never work. And I, I, remember talking to some of my magic friends. I'm like, well, what, what do you mean die? And they'd say, yeah, the bag that you put a bunny rabbit in it, sometimes it dies because it's can't breathe. I'm like, why do they have a bag like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Like I used to make a rat appear in my show mm -hmm. and I worked with my vet to design a way yeah. that was safe for it. To yeah. So, and that's, so I, um, when, uh, decided to have a rabbit in my show, I made a, through, um, uh, you know, I, I made a, a holder uh, for the rabbit. So if the rabbit was like, I'm out of here, it will, it could get, in fact. And in that's one, never happened in a show. In, in <laughs> one, of the, one of the shows, uh, I was in, uh, so, uh, out near Spokane. Uh, maybe it was too hot. And the rabbit, I was doing a straitjacket routine in the show. And the guy that was buckling me up, uh, stops and looks down and my bunny rabbit is hopping across the stage in front of us. And the, uh, the guy says, you, you want, you want to get, the, you want me to get that for you? It's like, I don't know what's going on. So, uh, anyway, finished the show and I did that then, you know, just like all our, most of our gigs, you know, an hour later, you're back on stage doing the show. I did the show and everything worked fine. And the guy guy came up out of the audience. He says, "Hey, how come you didn't do that rabbit thing? That was really funny." <laughs> I like to change things. So. But yeah, that's the key: is that if if for whatever reason the rabbit is doesn't want to be there, I have a way that the rabbit easily gets out and is mm -hmm. okay. And you know, I don't have to uh, answer any questions in the afterlife. <laughs> Well, uh, Steve, you know, you don't give yourself a lot of credit, but you are one of the the best comedy magicians that I've ever mm -hmm. seen and or worked with. And that says a lot because I've worked with a lot. Yep. And you, you, you're, at the house you're an, in you're, you are you're an in innovator. <laughs> you know, you are uh, an amazing person. And we're lucky to have you at the Moisture Festival in every capacity. Yes, especially seating people. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Without the chairs. But thanks so much for being on the podcast, buddy. It was great. All I right. really appreciate it. Thank right. you.
That's it for today, folks. We want to thank Steve Hamilton for that fantastic conversation. Be sure to check him out online. Uh, if you have not bought tickets to the Moisture Festival this year, go ahead and do it now. That's right. 90% of the shows sell out. So get your tickets early and get them often. Yeah. And that is at moisturefestival.org. And if you want to check out ways that you can get involved, you can volunteer, you can uh, donate, you can do all that through the website. Exactly. They're also on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. So like them on all of those platforms. Yes. So that's it for today, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.